G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as we do on a Thursday, always so good to touch base, to get some great insights from Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Charles Newington, a special welcome back to 2020. Uh, Thank you. Good morning, Neil. Charles, let's start off. I mentioned that we'd talk about uh, issues around social media giants. Uh, The increasing power of social media giants appears to be gathering evidence that Facebook and Google in particular are having a destabilizing effect on the world. What are your gleanings and insights around that? Uh, Thank you, Neil. Uh, The primary concern is that they operate uh, as a kind of a news service, um, but not under the same regulations and controls of the formal news media. So they have this freedom to edit, censor, select in a way that um, is is not um, under the same sort of controls that normal free societies exercise. And um, this is destabilizing in the sense that it is, we can see that it influences political campaigns in a very major way. And the size of these uh, agent, uh, of these um, facial media, sorry, not facial, social media. Yeah. Uh, we're coming to the facial media. That's thing. right. Yep. Uh, but the social media issue, the size and impact of them, the, their reach is so huge that uh, governments are starting to realize that they have to be managed in a different way to uh, normal mainstream media. So this is not just something that we're recognising, but all over the place. And, and the, the, the case that came to my attention was in actually the, in the Australian this morning. There's an article by Dennis Prager of, um, uh, of Prager Online University. He's a conservative commentator who appeared recently um, uh, at a Senate inquiry in the US. And the article in the, in the Oz is called Don't Bow Before Google. And uh, so um, he was asked to testify before the U.S. Senate committee, um, um, interestingly, because conservatives typically don't want to limit free speech and argue that government intervention with Google's power uh, as non-government voice should, should, should be carefully watched because they don't want to silence the idea of free government, uh, free, uh, of free speech that's un- uh, unbridled by government. But... Prager's point is that uh, that that these great big uh, social media giants they're exercising their own uh, forms of censorship and control and and as a uh, conservative social commenter he has heaps of examples of where um, what's happening to his um, his posts for instance is they're they, they're frequently not allowing him to to post things on his YouTube channel uh, whereas they're giving the left uh, an absolute free hit all the time and shutting conservative commentators out selectively. So This is an important thing, isn't it, Charles? Because when we think of the idea of a social media platform, well, uh, we might assume that it's neutral because it's a mechanism yeah. for people to use it. But we recognise that there are people who are controlling it, and uh, it's what they're controlling. It's what they're allowing to be 
broadcast or uh, or posted in the sense of social media uh, that actually has this manipulative effect. And of course, if you're shutting down one side, then you're giving the opportunity to uh, a very, very one-sided and then manipulative uh, focus on what is happening, as you say, because they're presenting as a news media. And, of course, it is the left side that seems to have dominance here, and uh, you're making reference to the idea that so much political comment that's coming from people who are typically conservative actually is being censored, and for all yeah. sorts of strange reasons. Yes, uh, the thing is, Facebook, um, Facebook particularly, but uh, it, it represents, it presents as if it's a kind of a, it's an informal conversation. It's just people uh, passing comments, you know, it's just making posts kind of thing. So people are not on, um, they're not on the defensive, as it were. They kind of think that they're not really being influenced by these opinions. They're just smiling, laughing and uh, flicking on. But actually, it doesn't work like that. The fact that that, it, that people come to it in such a disarmed way means that their opinions are being affected very profoundly uh, because uh, they don't feel they have to make a moral choice about what they're just flicking through. But the influence is subtle, it's clever, it's humorous, it's whatever, it's emotional, and it's having its impact. So it's very subtle and psychological, actually. And... Uh, and of course, that happens in lots of ways, but not uh, never as powerfully as we're getting this amazing mix of imagery and and video and and um, you know of, <laughs> it's just we all know the power of it, don't we? I just wanted to mention the fact that he cites a, an example that he 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 did a video post to, to to YouTube called the Ten Commandments and what you should know, and it was censored by Google uh, because it referred to murder. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So yeah. You know, that's not murder. So apparently, that's what flagged it, and they said this can't be, can't be out there. It's political. Because, yes. <laughs> it's, it, or it's got a, it's got a moral overtone that people don't want to know about murder, or shouldn't. So Prager assures them that um, if that was the case, he would release a Google-friendly video, the Nine Commandments. <laughs> uh, just yeah. to leave that one out, and uh, then if you yeah. want to, if you want to explore this further, check out the tenth commandment. <laughs> yeah, it, it is amusing, but it, it, but the thing is, it's also sinister because that sort of influence is actually starting to probe right into the very heart of of religious bodies and saying you can't believe that, and you certainly can't talk about it. Okay, let's talk about uh, that commandment that says thou shalt not murder, <laughs> and Ooh. because a lot of people make that alignment. Uh, when they're talking about the issue of abortion. And yeah. uh, this week, uh, there's been debate going on, a uh, heated debate in the mm -hmm. New South Wales Parliament around the abortion bill and uh, called the Reproductive Health Care Reform Bill 2019. Possibility that that could even be voted on today. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on developments there? I know your team have been working on a lot of things uh, in New South Wales. So what have they come up with? Well, uh, Greg Bondar, our state director there, wrote, um, and it's it just going to press this week uh, now, uh, that the Parliament must recognise the medical advancements that have reduced the age of surviving premature birth to about 22 weeks, which is clear evidence of the child's full humanity. Now, that's the, cut, that's the cutting point that at the present moment is being used by this bill, that they, you know, the, the easy abortion up to 22 weeks. But the the science is telling us that at 22 weeks uh, surviving the, uh, premature birth at that time is is just more and more 
um, uh, more and more possible. And uh, and it, it and what we see there is the child is fully human as early as that. So the scientific evidence is showing that, and it's also showing that uh, the babies in the womb before this they experience excruciating pain. And the, there's evidence out there which has been there for a long time about. Uh, of video of abortions taking place before 22 weeks and the way in which the children uh, they they react uh, in a in a in a violent way uh, moving away from from the invasive uh, tools that, that are in the womb and 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 we see that fetal surgeons are confirming this and so i just make the observation that science on what is happening in the womb through pe- pregnancy and gestation confirms the full humanity of the unborn child and in so doing it calls into question the full humanity of those who would destroy it. That's so powerful, Charles. Let's reflect on that just for a moment because science affirms the humanity of the child in the womb but it's also now reflecting on the inhumanity of those who would want to take the life of the child. And uh, so this is one of those contradictions that continues to arise. And I suspect a part of the momentum, uh, which is why people are, uh, are taking a second look at this whole abortion issue and looking and seeing through some of the rhetoric that's being used about women's health and recognising that there's something that is very inhuman happening here. Yes, exactly. I, I, you may know, if you listen closely, that it's not unusual now for politicians around this particular issue, but also around euthanasia and other sensitive matters. They talk uh, uh, as if it's a virtue that they are able to resolve these issues without entering into moral opinion. So what they're looking for is they're looking for a way to politically resolve a difficult medical issue as if there is no moral opinion uh, attached. And now here we see that science has flagged uh, a profound moral responsibility uh, for society. And, um, and, and this, this, this is, it's like, it's like um, you know, science was their ally. Surely science was their ally. But I mean, religion is not the ally of this kind of um, morally... Um, um, uh, absent um, p- political positioning, um, uh, but the irony is now that science is the ally of religion <laughs> rather mm. than the the ally of of demoralised politics or amoralised politics. And of course, when you've got this idea uh, of the way that the debate is framed uh, around the uh, women's health concerns. Uh, this idea of something that looks too good to be true, uh, you need to recognise it as that. Yes, well, the bill, the bill's um, called the Reproductive Health Care Reform Bill. The Reproductive Health Care Reform Bill. And I think that the average person, if they look at that, they would say that sounds wonderfully sane, moral and compassionate. And I'm just making the point that if a bill sounds too good to be true, don't don't silence that little voice in your head that says maybe we should take another look at this. And uh, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't like the fact that this comes over as a somewhat um, cynical um, attitude toward government because it's it's not all of government, but there are influences in government and in and in politics that would frame these highly moral issues um, as, um, as if they're, you know, as if this is actually an act of, 
of, uh, of medical good sense. But it's, it's, it's actually the reality of this bill is that, you know, it makes it sound as if that this is a well overdue reform. Um, it's a reform of how the, the legal and medical professions have, in fact, incarcerated women's capacity to have children in a kind of a prison house of archaic red tape. But actually, that's not what the bill's about. What the bill's about is how to terminate babies at a later stage in their development with less questions being asked about why this child should not live. And doesn't that, uh, in a sense as a Christian believer and a recognition of the value that God has on our human lives, uh, that uh, the call to prayer that is on right now is something that ought to uh, just spark in each of us a time to reflect and to be prayerful about what's happening because I know that through the month of August there is a call to prayer not just around the New yeah. South Wales debate but around what's happening right across the whole nation. Uh, the idea yeah. that there needs yeah. to be a time of prayer and fasting yeah. Yeah, uh, that right. will in some ways break through some of these crazy things that are happening around uh, the destruction of human life here. And uh, I don't know whether you've been reflecting on that, and I know there are a number of groups uh, who are calling for prayer around this, but just as a little aside here, Charles, uh, your thoughts on what believers ought to be doing in a response to a prayer call like that to to participate in something that is really, uh, uh, you know, looking at, uh, you know, getting some common sense and some spiritual sense here. Well, I encourage uh, people that are listening today to, to, to go online and to find those prayer groups because um, it's not easy for the average pastor to, to talk about, for instance, abortion in the local church on Sunday morning. It, you know, he's so conscious of the fact that once you've raised it, everybody's mind scatters. You know, we all, all our minds and emotions scatter to various corners in the room and we kind of think, oh, God, what a horrible thing and what a terrible thing and, and who's this conversation hurting deeply? And, and so it, 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 the fact is that there are some issues that are hard to deal with in the life of the local church and, and, and these deep ones are very often, sadly, part of that. But the church broadly, people of true faith across the whole nation must recognize that somebody must take moral responsibility for these things. And so I encourage people to to recognize it might not be everybody's bag in the local church, um, but it's certainly the church's responsibility to be prayerful about these things and to um, and, and to find a way that, the, that we strengthen the hands uh, of of good men and and women in the nation. So as you are googling and finding those prayer focuses, uh, you might try the Canberra Declaration. They've had yeah, yeah, uh, a move uh, towards this uh, prayer this month through the month of August. Uh, before I let you go, Charles, another point to pick up on here. And some reflections on the China-US trade war, and uh, we've been following this along for some months now. Uh, there are all sorts of things that are developing and uh, all sorts of effects that are being felt all around the world, e even here in Australia. What are your thoughts on the latest developments? Yes, well, it's very clear now that this isn't just a trade war. Um, it's clear now that... Uh, that um, you know, President Trump has made it clear that he's asked questions um, some months ago uh, about the intellectual theft uh, of properties and uh, about the intrusion, the hacking into national security issues and things like that. And, um, and, and then he started this rattling defense of the trade imbalance and the way in which that's been pitched between the US and China. And then 
um, the nations in general have become agitated about China's uh, road and belt plan, but it's clearly not just a sort of a, a kind of a, a, a very altruistic um, a response to smaller economies, but it's a, a, a form of, of power expansion, uh, China's power being expanded. So now the whole world is becoming very unsettled because they're being pressured to take sides uh, between their major ally, uh, security ally, and their major trading partners, China. And Paul Kelly's written a, an interesting article in in, in the uh, in the Oz about this, um, uh, talking about the polarizing experience that that, that we are in as Australia. And uh, and what I see about this is actually we are all experiencing this polarization privately and personally. We see it in our nation. You know, the distance between left and right these days is is amplified by social media. It's we see uh, we see the sides shouting at each other. You know the, the the civil discussions no longer taking, and that's what we're starting to see internationally now. You know, the civility. Kelly talks about the fact that we're in a, we're in. Uh, there was a time when kind of mutual um, uh, uh, in, uh, international interdependence and the, and and the mutual benefit of of our nations trading. That era is over, and now it's highly polarized, and it's uh, U.S. versus China in terms of global economic domination and political influence. And that's that's the age we're in. And that is all coming to a head at the present moment because watch the escalations of what's happening in the Persian Gulf. You may well have heard that uh, Russia for the first time is actually moving Navy into the Persian Gulf to conduct military exercises, naval exercises with Iran. And um, we've probably been all heard now about how the U.S. and and the U.S.'s allies are, are, are there in the in the in the Gulf of Hormuz. They're trying to uh, protect their oil uh, interests, and now Russia's coming into that situation with military exercises. And China's mentioned the fact that it's going to um, uh, make sure that its interests in that uh, area are also well protected. And so we find ourselves, you know, in the Middle East with <laughs> with the gathering of all sorts of nations. Uh, hardware, floating hardware. Um, it's 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 an I, I call it a, it's a global morality play for all of us. You know that we've got to be very careful if we try to um, you know cozy up to a crocodile or share a toast with an alligator. You know that if we do that, there's uh, you know uh, that, that's the nature of the world these days. It's highly complicated, and we oh we just need the wisdom of God. And I'm asking people to pray for the prime minister particularly. Just pray for him. He's he needs the wisdom of Solomon and he needs the favour of the Most High to fail our state through suffering. Yes, with the developing trade war issues and, as you say, developments in the Persian Gulf and even the destabilisation that can happen if there is disruption to fuel supplies and how that affects us here in Australia. And as you say, Charles, uh, the wisdom of Solomon required for our Prime Minister as he tries to negotiate a way forward and uh, difficult times and uh, difficult challenges. And uh, so, yes, the prayer for the wisdom of our leaders. Yeah, uh, let me just point people to the Family Voice Australia website, familyvoice.org.au, uh, to uh, access articles and resources that are coming from Family Voice Australia. Charles Newington, always such a good uh, opportunity to glean some deeper insights into some of the developments that are going on. Uh, really appreciate you. And uh, so Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington, thanks so much for sharing these thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.